Blog Talk Radio. me great pain to announce that we have had three more deaths in Illinois associated with COVID-19. One was a Will County resident in his 50s, a second a Cook County resident in her 80s, and a third is a Florida resident who was visiting Sangamon County. 
My heart goes out to the family and the friends of these patients, and I feel like I can speak for all of Illinois when I say we offer them our collective strength at this time. May their memories be for a blessing. These moments will not get easier, nor should they. We are fighting this fight for every person in Illinois. We have all lost something today. Today, in addition to our public health director, Dr. Ngazi Azike, there are two new faces standing with me, Rob Carr, the president and CEO of the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, and Paula Basta, the director of our Illinois Department on Aging. Ms. Basta is here because this virus can be very dangerous for older people, and it's my priority to ensure elderly Illinoisans feel as safe and secure as possible as we work together to respond to this crisis and to flatten the curve. I've asked her to speak to our seniors about how they can take care of themselves during this time. Our social distancing efforts are the most important thing that we can do to protect our seniors and to support our healthcare workers. But there are some essential things that everyone has to go out for. And while we encourage all our residents to help out their, rel their elderly relatives and neighbors, we also want to make sure that our seniors aren't afraid to go out and to get the food and medicine that they need. With the help of the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, my staff and I convened grocery stores from across the state to identify and address the fears our more vulnerable populations might have about getting the supplies that they need. I'm proud to announce that the store owners across the state have been more than willing to offer special hours specifically for senior shoppers to come in and get their groceries without other shoppers present so we can minimize risks to our seniors. This dedicated period will also feature heightened social distancing measures. That includes stores like Whole Foods and Shop and Save here in Chicago, Hy-Vee and Valley Produce throughout Illinois, among many, many others, and you should contact your local store to find out what the hours are that they have reserved. Rob Carr from the Illinois Retail Merchants Association will be talking more about this initiative and how we're bringing it to as many stores as possible across the state of Illinois. We want our seniors to know that we're taking special care to keep them safe and to do everything that we can to help them through this very challenging time. We're also working hard to ensure that all our residents are able to get as many of the healthcare services that they need, even from the safety of their own homes. So today I'm signing an executive order significantly expanding telemedicine for both Medicaid and those who are private insured. This order will allow more providers to get reimbursed for these services and allow patients more flexibility and safety in getting the medical guidance and care that they need. I also have a special request to doctors who may be listening. I want to make sure that every provider in this state is operating with the latest health information and best practices regarding COVID-19 and other emergency public health responses. Here in Illinois, our emergency notification tool is called SIREN. 
If you're a doctor, take it upon yourself to sign up for our emergency notification tool, sending your name and email to dph.siren.illinois.gov. Again, that's dph.siren.illinois.gov. Or you can go to the website for Siren, which is siren.illinois.gov. Every doctor in the state should do this now. Our small businesses are already hurting, and the root of that pain isn't going to go away anytime soon. I'm pleased to announce, however, today that my administration is offering relief to more than 20,000 small and medium-sized bars and restaurants all across Illinois by allowing a two-month delay in sales tax payments to the state and to local jurisdictions, and we're waiving late filing fees and interest starting tomorrow, Friday, March 20th. Second, as of today, Illinois' small businesses from every county in Illinois are now eligible to apply for low-interest coronavirus disaster assistance loans of up to $2 million. I want to thank our federal officials, especially Senator Durbin and Senator Duckworth, for helping to push this through the Congress for us. For all Illinois small businesses, if you want to apply for these low-interest loans, you can find more information at disasterloan.sba.gov. Moving on to discuss our increasing number of COVID-19 cases in Illinois. As Dr. Ezekiel will announce in just a few moments, our total case count continues to grow exponentially. Understand that our reports of case count will not abate soon. For now, this is because we're doing more testing in Illinois. As of yesterday, we were able to do more than 1,000 tests statewide, and in just a few days, we'll be increasing that to more than 2,000 tests per day. These tests are only discovering people who already have the virus. I know people are looking at other countries and even cities and jurisdictions around the United States and seeing the numbers rise significantly everywhere. But as we take action, we're initiating a process that is intended to bend the curve. Earlier this week, I activated the first members of the Illinois National Guard missioned to join the fight against COVID-19. In total, the Guard is a force of really extraordinary citizens, but they would call themselves ordinary citizens, but they're 13,000 strong, committed to amazing work, and they bring to our preparations key capabilities in logistics, in transportation, and even medical specialties. In the short term, the Guard will be working to support our efforts to set up mobile testing units, allowing us to expand testing while ensuring that those tests can be administered in the safest possible way. The Guard is also doing critical work planning for the weeks and months ahead, including expanding our health care capacity by potentially refitting and reopening previously closed hospitals. We have to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. We have to slow the number of new cases and ensure our hospitals and our healthcare workers have the capacity and the resources to treat those who are sick. We have to flatten the curve. 
My team and I are working day and night, closely considering every option on the table to do this. We've seen measures adopted in other countries, as well as places in the United States, like San Francisco, and we're looking at every aspect of those steps to understand how best to keep Illinoisans safe. As always, we will share more with you as we know it, but I want to address some of the rumors that have been running around. Essential services will not close. Interstates, highways, and bridges will stay open. Grocery stores, pharmacies, gas stations, these sources of fundamental supplies will continue to operate. There is no need to run out and hoard food, gas, or medicine. Buy what you need within reason. There is enough to go around as long as people do not hoard. We will never shut these services down. And please, let's all remember that these essential institutions don't run on their own. The cashiers, the gas station attendants, the truckers, the pharmacists, the delivery workers, the sanitation workers, these are all people who keep our state on track. So please take every opportunity that you can to demonstrate your gratitude to them. Perhaps most importantly, there are some true heroes among us in this crisis. Our doctors, our registered nurses, our nurse practitioners, our hospital workers, our health care center operators, and our first responders. These are people who leave their families every day and expose themselves to the risks of COVID-19 by treating patients, more and more of whom are presenting with symptoms. Our healthcare workers and our first responders are the very best among us, and they deserve all the acts of kindness that we can muster. So your friend, the doctor, your neighbor, the nurse, see if they could use a helping hand. I promise you that it will mean more to them than you could ever know. Thank you, and now I'd like to turn it over today to our director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, Dr. Ngazi Azike. Thank you, Governor, and again, I just, I thank you for your amazing leadership. He is passionate about caring for the people of Illinois, and there's an outstanding team of people who are standing behind him. I am saddened to announce that three more individuals in Illinois have lost their life. These individuals, as was mentioned, were residents from Will County, Cook County, and a visitor in Sangamon County. Unfortunately, we do anticipate additional deaths. We continue to issue the guidance, please everyone, stay home as much as possible so we can reduce the number of people who are infected, which will reduce the number of people who get serious illness, which will reduce the number of people who will lose their life. This coronavirus is an equal opportunity virus, no respecter of age, person, um, zip code, gender, it can infect anyone, and even healthy people. Initial information from other countries did indicate that older individuals were at greater risk for severe illness, but there is data of younger people having severe complications. Overall, we have 422 cases in 22 counties across Illinois. The number of cases is rising exponentially. With increasing laboratory testing in IDPH labs, as well as in the commercial labs and the hospital labs, 
we did expect to see this rise. As you test more, you will identify more. Because testing is becoming more available, IDPH will be able to prioritize testing for our most vulnerable populations. Testing will be performed for individuals who are part of a cluster of confirmed cases or possible cases among those who work or live in a residential congregate setting, such as the nursing homes. Testing at the IDPH labs will also be prioritized for, people, for hospitalized patients with unexplained pneumonia who are from a residential congregate setting serving vulnerable populations. Long-term care facilities such as nursing homes with confirmed cases will increase the monitoring of those individuals and take aggressive infection control measures. However, testing of all individuals is not indicated. We will not recommend tests for every single resident or staff of, an, of a long-term care facility. Rather, we will take all the precautions necessary and as soon as any staff or resident develops symptoms, they will be isolated and treated. If they are showing symptoms, whether they've been tested or not, they will get the same treatment and the same appropriate measures will be taken to care for them. Patients who do not fall into one of these categories for testing can seek care for their health care provider who can then move on forward with the testing at a commercial or a hospital laboratory. We do see spread of this disease amongst our com across our communities. And these numbers are concerning, but it, it's not expected. And the more robust information we can gather, that will allow us to better understand and track the size and scope of this outbreak and then strengthen prevention and response efforts. I want to ask everyone to continue to do their part to help break the cycle of spread. It really will take each of us making our individual sacrifices, our household sacrifices, and our community sacrifices to reduce the spread of the virus and free up our healthcare system for our most vulnerable. Let's all do our part to make sure that lives are saved. Thank you. And now I'll summarize the comments in, in Spanish. Hola, me llamo Esungosi Esique y soy la directora del Departamento de Salud Pública aquí en Illinois. Con gran tristeza estamos anunciada que otros tres residentes de Illinois con la enfermedad COVID-19 han muerto. Estas personas eran residentes del condado de Will, un hombre de 50 años, una mujer del condado de Cook de 80 años y una mujer de 70 años de fuera del estado que estaba en el condado de Sangamon. Sabíamos que iba a ocurrir más muertes. Esta noticia nunca es fácil. Pedimos a todos que por favor se queden en casa cuando sea posible. Queremos reducir la cantidad de personas.
because this show gets uh, uh, is around the world, folks. It is totally around the world. And oh wow, did you hear the latest on Donald Trump ingesting disinfectant and sunlight as a possible cure for uh, coronavirus, COVID nineteen? I'm pretty sure everybody has has uh, heard heard this. Um, yeah, it's on tape. It's everywhere. He's suggesting it. He's proposing it, or he or he's either uh, saying use it. I mean, he's asking the doctors if 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 it's possible to use it, or, or if it is, then use it. But he really doesn't know. Donald Trump talks. I mean, he talks sideways. Uh, we used to say he talks out of his ass. Uh, he talks sideways. Well, it might work. It could work, but it might not work. But it could work. But maybe we should try. Maybe it could work. Maybe it might not. I'm not a doctor. He talks out of his ass. And this is really biting him. I mean, this is going to live in infamy, what he just said on national television. Uh, and he, I mean, he was trying to lay it out, too, that it, it, it possibly could work. He was even trying to coerce the doctors to come on in on this. And some of them were sitting back saying, you, know, you could read their minds, their faces, their, their body language when this guy talks. You know, the other doctors on stage with him. And he's saying, uh, I mean, I, I was tickled when I heard it. I mean, I was totally tickled. Uh, when he talked about <laughs> disinfectant, I went in the kitchen and I saw that I, I, I was out of Lysol. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to ingest it or swallow it or eat it. And this is why a lot of us are saying, stop airing. Stop covering this guy. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's tried to he tried to preempt the doctors, thinking he's smarter than they are. They're sitting on the sideline like little ants while he's up there at the podium, trying to give out medical advice that he doesn't. He, that sometimes he admitted that he doesn't know, but he tries to give it out anyway because he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. He's the dumbest, the most. This is gonna bite his ass. And now I'm hearing that he now saying that. He was being sarcastic. Oh, this was all a joke? This was a joke? You were telling a joke up there when you saying, uh, suggesting that or even uh, warning Americans to ingest uh, disinfectant? Was that a joke to go out, tell Americans to go out and get sunlight that will cure it? It'll be over by the summer? I mean, if you watch uh, Morning Joe, this guy hits it on the head. I, I, he hits it so hard that, you know, he, he even stuns me. I mean, he is right about just about everything he says because these are reporters, and they, they are, they've been in this shit since uh, Trump was first notified about uh, the coming of uh, COVID-19, which he ignored. January, February, ignored it, called it a hoax. Fox News took Trump's... Uh, Talking points. It was it was a hoax. It was a democratic hoax to to uh, so he couldn't win the upcoming election. Now they know that it's no hoax. Fifty thousand people, over fifty thousand people. It'll be probably you know fifty thousand people in one half by tomorrow. Sixty thousand people um, as this thing goes on, all the way up to a hundred thousand people. 
And what is he doing? Making jokes. I'm not saying he was he folks, this was no joke. This was he was this was him not being sarcastic. They're lying. They're trying to cover his ass by saying that this was a sarcastic remark. He was joking. What the hell you do? Let's say if it was a joke. Let's say if Trump was joking about uh, ingesting disinfectant from, to cure the uh, virus. Let's say if he was joking. He, it was sarcastic. He was being sarcastic. It was a joke. And we know it wasn't a joke. Why are you joking when over 50,000 American people are dead from this virus and they're dying every day from this virus? You don't go to that podium, podium and that briefing room to get up there and joke about people's lives, about people's uh, uh, suffering. You don't get up there and joke and laugh. This was no joke. I mean, it, as you can see, if you see the video, and it's Plainly to see, it's everywhere. This was no joke. And even for for the White House to try to cover Trump's ass by saying it was a joke, that makes it more, you know, just just despicable. So he's trying to cover his ass by saying it's sarcastic, and it's getting even worse by him saying that it was sarcastic, because it should have been. It, that podium is not for to be sarcastic. It's for to try to come up with uh, 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 things, uh, PPE, stuff like that, so doctors and nurses can treat this. He will not invoke the Production Act, which, which will have uh, companies around America making masks and making all kinds of stuff that doctors need and Americans need. He will not do that. Yet, he's going to come up and say, well, uh, can you use this Disinfectant, excuse me, disinfectant. Now, folks, this is very serious. And because America, we are now the number one laughing fucking stock of the world. Uh, uh, Other countries are leaving us behind. We are not being invited to any world conferences anymore because they don't want Trump. And I can't blame them, and you can't blame them. He's an ignorant fuck. They do not want Trump. The world has left us behind, left us all, left us out of all kind of important meetings and getting getting together, and all this kind of kind of thing that pre, that presidents do. It's what their job is. They don't want Trump, and a lot of the leaders leaders around the world. They're not blaming the American people for the downfall of our country. They're not blaming us because they know we don't want the guy. We can't stand the guy. They're blaming Trump. Trump. They don't want Trump in their country. Trump, he better not set foot outside America in another country. What's going to pop up? A lot of protests. Get out of my fucking country, you idiot. You murderer is just awful. And and I sit here, this is not a laughing matter. I mean, when I first heard about the in, the ingesting of disinfectant, I, <laughs> I had to look in several places to make sure that it was true. Now it's the number one topic all over the world, all over in this country and the world, actually. 
people aren't talking about uh, 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 the deaths. They're talking about this stupid man that made this. He 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 has made several throughout his life. This is this is pure Donald Trump. And for him to try to say it was sarcastic, we know it was not because this is what he does. This is what he's been doing for three, almost three and a half years in office as president. He's lying, making stuff up, saying ridiculous shit. And majority of the time he's getting away with it because the White House is covering his ass. But I don't think they can do it this time. He really stepped in it this time. And by him saying it's sarcastic just makes it worse. Now I'm hearing that uh, he had a a briefing, um, a daily briefing today, actually today, and he didn't take any questions from reporters. I guess he just came up there and said what he had to say, and he left. I didn't watch it. I don't watch those briefings because there's nothing newsworthy about them, nothing whatsoever. There's nothing, when I say newsworthy, there's nothing that he's giving the American people that's going to help them cope with this uh, ongoing COVID-19, which he could have jumped on immediately if he hadn't dismantled Obama's uh, 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 what you call it, what is it, Uh, pandemic uh, agency. He dismantled that. Why did he dismantle? Because he wanted to try and dismantle everything that Obama has ever done as president. He wants to get rid of all of it. But he has not done anything to Obama because he's just just crazy. Now, see, if he hadn't, if he'd have jumped on this shit from the start, if he hadn't dismantled the pandemic office that Obama uh, created. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be with 50, over 50,000, I think it's 50,041 deaths right now, but it, it could, at any moment, it could go up and up and up and up and up. By next week, it could be 60,000. Next, we got 70,000 because we have an asshole in the White House who doesn't know what he is fucking doing. He doesn't know what he is doing, and he doesn't care about not knowing what he's doing. He's he's winging it. He's talking off the top of his fucking head. Oh, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. For the several months, last several months, he's been saying it's going to go away, calling it a hoax. His friend Sean Hannity calling it a hoax. Now they're both backing off of it because they see the deaths that are that are that are in their face. In some cases they don't even believe the deaths. So this this is really really bad, folks. I mean, we have a we what we need in the White House, uh, what we need to get past this pandemic. We need a leader. We need somebody who, with some brains, some know how, some ingenuity. This guy's got any of it. Some intelligence, some 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 sophistication, some education. This guy has none of it. He's a as so many people have said, he is a what you call it, a, a smokehouse salesman, a snake oil salesman, snake oil. Oh, I can't even say it. <laughs> and that's what he is. You can catch Donald Trump is not a president. He's a guy you see out on the fucking corner selling watches. That's the kind of guy he is. Or he's he could be a, a, a pimp or something, <laughs> but not a president. 
We are in deep, deep doo-doo, folks, until we get this man out of office. And the other day, Donald Trump said, destroy all, shoot down all gunboats, Iranian gunboats. He said that the other day before he uh, uh, did this uh, ingesting of a disinfectant. He said, shoot down, shoot down all Iranian uh, uh, gunboats. And automatically I'm going, how do you shoot down a boat? He's saying, shoot down all gunboats. How do you shoot down a boat? And we had some fun on this on on social media. (laughs) Just like we're having fun with this other stupid comment, ingesting disinfectant. This is Donald Trump's memorandum, motorandum. This is what he does. He say these dumb, stupid, crappy things at the wrong time and in the wrong place. That was no, <laughs> that was no good time for him to say this is now a joke. Ingesting him suggesting that Americans uh, ingest disinfectant and go out and get some sunlight and let it burn on their skin. This is going to solve uh, the Corona crisis. Now he said Corona. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's not Corona. It's coronavirus. Uh, the Corona. That's, that's what he said. <laughs> if anyone went on to say that he was he was smart, he knew what he was talking about. Yeah, but I guess he woke up with a, a stark reality. Everybody who's anybody was was in his ass about this comment or this suggestion of indigest, indigesting disinfectant. Even the makers of Lysol and other in, uh, disinfectants, they were on television warning people not to follow this asshole's advice and swallow disinfectant. Kill you. It will kill you. And even today, after everybody, all the doctors and every doctor and every scientist in the world Blasted this stupid, this stupid man. He will not apologize. He owes America an apology. Donald Trump should be dragged from that stage and that briefing room into prison. Get him off there because he's doing nothing but putting lives, more lives, at risk. The more he goes on that goddamn stage and opens his mouth, he's putting lives at risk because he doesn't really give a fuck about uh, the American public. He wants us to die off. Why? So we can't vote in the upcoming election. The more of us die off, the more more we can't, uh, nobody can vote. This is what this man wants. This is why he's not opening up any other uh, avenue to wanting to try to uh, uh, save Americans, like PPE, getting more equipment out there. He wants them. I think I, I, I read something Joe Biden said, uh, the guy who's running against him. Uh, you know who he is. Um, he said Don, there's a possibility Donald Trump may push uh, the November election further away. I don't know if he can do that constitutionally. I guess he has to have something that rationally. But Donald, Donald Trump will try to do anything and everything to stay in power. He will try to do anything and everything to stay in office. For one thing, 
when he loses, I'm going to say when because this guy cannot get back in office. We cannot have him. When he loses, he will be indicted. He will go to prison. New York is waiting on his ass because they got several lawsuits coming at him. He knows he's going to be in big time trouble if he loses. I'd be telling people all the time, the presidency, being president is what's saving Donald Trump's fat ass. Being president, if he wasn't president, and I just don't see why he can't be indicted while being president. There's so much against him. I mean, you could, there is so much crime that he has committed. Blood on his hands, treason, lying, putting false information out here to to American people, the American people that costing their lives, and more, and more. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show in a somber mood because I guess I just and if you and if you think about it, if you if people want to ingest. Want to take, want to swallow Lysol or some of the disinfectant? They're out of luck because the stores don't have it, unless you have it in your cabinet already. But the stores out here, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't have a Lysol or any other kind of disinfectant, toilet paper. I see some um, napkins or cleaning uh, uh, rolls or something, but not disinfectant and toilet paper. And I've always said. And and I start to think, and I say, for months and months, for weeks, weeks, months, whatever, stores have been out of toilet paper. And I'm wondering, what are people doing? How are they doing this without toilet paper in their house for weeks and weeks? What are they using for toilet paper? And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But anyway, this is this – is, um, Awful. I mean, this guy is just awful, awful, awful. And um, like I said, I, I'm hearing that he walked or stormed out of the briefing today because he, uh, I guess he was so embarrassed. I guess he was afraid to, I guess his handlers told him not to say anything, not to answer questions from reporters. If you're not going to answer questions from the few reporters that he has in the room, what the hell is a briefing? The reporters are asking the, the the right questions. He just don't like it because he has no answer for them. They ask about important questions about how is how are you gonna you know uh, save the American people? And he jumps from the hip and just says something low down and crazy and belittles them when they are asking relevant questions. Because it's their job. If I was there, I'd ask him a question. Wow. If I was there and I asked him a question and he started talking down and belittling me, I'm not going to sit there nice like a reporter. I'm coming back at him because there's no reason for him to downplay me, belittle me, talk to me like I'm a peasant. There's no reason for that. I'd jump right back in his ass if I was a reporter sitting in that room in front of that monster. Um, 
All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I'm a little pissed, a little, but I'm laughing <laughs> all the same because this guy, you just think how many of his idiot, his idiot um, supporters would probably go and and drink and inject themselves with disinfectant because Trump said it. And this is why so many makers of these products are getting on television and saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And then Trump is calling it a it, it, it a joke. It was sarcastic. Even that's even worse, because you got fifty thousand, over fifty thousand, maybe sixty thousand people next week. You got fit, over fifty thousand people dead. What the hell are you doing going on national television in a time of a crisis, in a time of a pandemic, and joking, and joking. He was not joking. This is something he's using to cover his ass. He was not joking. We'll be right back, folks. The late Bill Withers.
Yet more bad news this week for the uh, U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. As Donald Trump said during an interview with Fox News, it's been firmly established, and for those that are regular viewers, we've talked about this with many medical experts, that there's a firm mind-body connection. To make a long story short, your stress levels go up, your cortisol levels go up. That can break down your immune system, lead to all kinds of health problems. And Kathy's talking about some of the physical discomforts. This is something we were talking about before the show, Lisa, that... You've known people that, that have suffered the torment from being bullied in the workplace, and it did translate into sometimes very debilitating physical ailments. Exactly. I was actually talking to a, an elementary teacher yesterday. Wow. Uh, mm -hmm. She had been an elementary teacher for 22 years, and she had been bullied right out of her job. And she is currently suffering with ovarian cancer. And she asked me if I thought that the cancer was related to the bullying. And I said to her, our bodies have a way of responding to mm -hmm. the negativity in many ways. And that I would not be surprised if the stress associated with the bullying was connected in some way. Now, I don't have the medical evidence, yes. but I know that when you are being bullied in the workplace, it does affect you not only physically but mentally. I know of individuals who would literally vomit when they got to oh, their, their workplaces because they couldn't handle the thought of going into the workplace. Even sadder is the fact that I have been talking to individuals who have considered suicide. That's devastating. So this is why it's, it's so important to talk about it's this issue. It's very important. Something else that yes. Kathy said that I yes. think it's something we all need to mourn for yes. is the fact that people like Kathy at that time yes. lost her entire mission as to what she was even working for. In this case, the children. There's so many jobs out there and, and even the teacher that you're talking about, these yes. are young kids in, in need of attention, in need of dedicated workers. So if you happen to be working at a job that requires sort of a, a, a mission as a, a, as a focus to what you're doing, that could be something valuable lost in the middle of it, in the middle of the toxic environment of workplace exactly. bullying. Exactly. And in my own situation, because the experience became so negative, so toxic, I began to, and I struggled to go to work. You know, I would, I would drive a half an hour and I would just cry, you know, and I'd just ask God, just give me the strength to make it through this day. But what kept me going was the fact that there were other individuals in the workplace who were suffering a lot more than I. And I began to turn my focus to those individuals, and so I tried to create a healthier to workplace. To help them. Yes. Very positive. Yes, because it's important for us to to remain as positive as we can. And the only way that we can really do that is to make sure that we have a, a good support system, our families, our friends, and also professional help. And there's also some, there are also some proactive measures that people can take that are being bullied, and that's something we also have to get yes. to. But let's first go to Emily on line four. Hello, Emily. You're on the line. Hi. Hi, Emily. Go ahead. Okay, so I was um, going through workplace bullying for a year and a half. And as a result, I was actually fired, uh, wrongfully dismissed. Uh, when I asked, "Am I being? Why am I? Am I actually being fired?" And he said, "Yes." He could even tell me I was being fired. And um, I asked him why. He said, "Well, it's for the best of the uh, uh, two other people in this office." 
It was an office of eight people. Um, like I said, a year and a half of bullying. I it was a nonprofit organization where I was actually driven, and I'm a work-driven individual who enjoys helping others. So, driving to work every day, singing, going on my way to work, it changed into. Um, uh, actually, I was terrified of going to work. Um, I would actually have uh, heart arrhythmias, which I'm having now oh, yeah. as a result of that. Asthma attacks just came on me. I never took a sick day and then all of a sudden became so ill. With Emily, Emily, how are you doing now as a result of that experience? How did things resolve for you? I had to take the lawyer. The lawyer told me, ma'am, you've got every reason um, that it shows here that they have not given you a reason. From everything that you've told me, you were wrongfully dismissed, and you have, as a result, you have a case here. Um, as a result of that, they didn't even want to, in my record of employment, say that I was, uh, they wanted to put fire without cause, which you don't even get EI. Emily, did you, did you eventually fight it, or are you in the process now? Oh, yeah. No, the lawyer fought it for me because he was an expert in wrongful dismissal. So he was able to fight it for me, um, get me a letter of a reference from the employer as well, wow, uh, make, making sure that it's positive, not only written, if, if, they, if someone were to call. That would ended well for you, Emily? Um, at the point, I'm still looking for a job. Um, yeah, I really don't want to use him as a reference. Yeah. Um, uh, at the same time, it's it's... I'm on EI, um, I, so the wrongful dismissal, it did help because I was able to actually, um, the unemployment office was actually able to contact them, even though the agreement was that they put reason okay. for leaving Kate. Emily, okay. we're going to have to move along now because of the time issue, but I'm so glad that you called in. Obviously, Emily fought here, yes. and it, it worked out. And Emily, I want to wish you all the best, and hopefully you'll pick up a job soon. But there's lots to talk about here again, and what people can do, because this is something that you address. For instance, even documenting um, when you're abused, the times, um, the, the events, in case something um, becomes worse. But I'm also curious on the severity of the abuse, because it can be slow and insidious. But then you get ones, like Sam, that that was out of character, and it just happened suddenly. But at the same time, it really shakes you up, which leads to our discussion about workplace bullying. Dr. Lisa Barrow is with me. You heard about this wrongful dismissal yes. case just before the break, and unfortunately you were telling me during the break that this is happening and it's something that's ongoing. But my biggest concern here is we're living in harsh economic times, so does this make put victims and even potential victims more in a, in a very um, negative position of putting up with a bully in some cases for fear of losing their job and having to be left out in the cold in, in such an economy? Yes, definitely with the economy the way that it is, people are not, well, they haven't been overly open about bullying to begin with. They're not going to want to put themselves in a situation where the bully, especially if the bully is his or her boss, in a situation where the person can be fired or terminated because the organization is downsizing. Okay. You know, and so a, a lot of individuals do end up losing their jobs and it's couched under while well, downsizing or restructuring, what have you. And so this is why it's important for laws to be passed to protect employees from bullies in the workplace <laughs> so that employees know that they have some recourse. 
Now, this is leading up to something very important that we're going to be discussing very shortly. And that is, though, if you live in Ontario, because Bill 168, and you pointed this out to me, Lisa, Bill 168 is, um, is actually before, it's being discussed right now, and you're actually giving a presentation about it, or have you done so already? My plan is to give, to give a, a presentation, presentation next week. It's open to yes. public hearing, so next week. Yes. Okay, so we're going to be telling you more about this bill shortly, but first let's go to Romeo on line five. Hello, Romeo, you're on the line. Christine, I have noticed over the years that people have been coming up with complicated answers to simple <coughs> questions, mm -hmm. to simple problems. Okay, go so ahead, Romeo. What you need to do... You approach the manager or the supervisor, not as an enemy, but in a friendly way, and to say that, sir, or whoever. We're going to be telling you more about this. The polite approach can go a long way, and I have heard it in the past that when you confront the bully in a polite way, sometimes it goes away. But not always, Romeo, and I'll give you a quick story before we go back to Lisa about this. Years and years ago, now we're looking at a lot of years ago, at least maybe 18 years ago, and this happened at Concordia University. My uncle was shot at Concordia. He happened to be in the wrong department, visiting the dean at the time, wrong place at the wrong time. But this man, Fabricant, who's still in jail, he was actually one of the biggest bullies. He was upset at, as to how he said the university was treating him. So what he did is that he kept on threatening co-workers, he was threatening the dean, and one day he snapped and he just started shooting people like crazy. My uncle wasn't even working in that particular department. He was a civil engineer, another type of an engineer. But this is just a case of how workplace violence and bullying can get. We weren't dealing with a person here who would, deal with reason, who would um, listen to reason. This was a person that was terrorizing that community for a long time, and unfortunately that's sometimes the case. Lisa. This Sam, for example, and I'm not remotely comparing Sam in, in Lisa's book to Fabricant, but this man... The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You Pride and joy, and I'm telling the world, you're my pride and joy. 
echo? Is there an echo? Okay, I know what it is. Uh, Trump um, <clears throat> uh, said, let me see. Trump, um, okay, I got it. Postal Service must charge Amazon. This is what Trump wants. M- more. Well, Trump's always hated Jeff Bezos. He's always hated the Washington Post, which both of them are affiliated together with Jeff Bezos. Because Bezos, he's, he probably hates Bezos most. Jeff Bezos, the owner, uh, uh, ma- owner, manager, or something of Amazon. Because he makes more money <laughs> than Trump does. King. He thinks he's the king of America. He thinks he's... Um, and he's trying to make – and another thing, he's trying to make people forget about uh, the ingesting of disinfectant by doing this. He's a great manipulator. He can actually make you – make uh, – it's distract, distract, distract. And this is what this is. This is a distraction away from the goofiness that he said the other day about ingesting disinfectant to try and cure COVID-19. Now he's on the postal service saying he's not going to fund the money to keep the postal service running because he wants Amazon to charge more money. This is just a deflection away from his the the total nonsense of his briefings. And another thing, he doesn't want the postal service if the Postal Service goes under, America goes under. The man is out to destroy the country. He is out. He will not approve $10 billion loan for the U.S. Postal Service unless the agency raises its prices on Amazon. Raises its prices on Amazon. This guy is out to destroy America. And I don't know why the Democrats are sitting back in the House Letting him do that because maybe they wanting him to go to to um, it 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 boils me to see Democrats come on television knowing of this guy's erratic behavior and the things that he stupidly says and now it this is the latest he's distracting away from the disinfectant comment by saying that the postal service must charge Amazon more before he. It's not his money. It's taxpayer money, and he won't even let that go. And he doesn't give a shit about the post office. He doesn't give a fuck about America. Excuse me. He doesn't just doesn't care. And it it burns me to see Democrats like Maxine Waters. She says her sister is dying of COVID-19, sending prayers for that. But you know, the Democrats watched Trump, and they knew Trump was going to get worse, worse, and worse after the impeachment. Impeachment. He's acting like he hasn't been impeached, but he has. And he, this is, like I said before, this is this is overwhelming to Donald Trump. He he should resign. He should quit. But he's not going to do that. And for me to sit and watch Democrats rush to the mic and say everything they need to say, except for getting this guy out of office. Is appalling. You want this guy out. Do something to get him out. If you have to impeach him again, impeach him again. Go up there and grab this guy and kick him in the ass and get him out of that White House. Because now he's acting as if he didn't say anything. 
The Democrats have to step up. Stop being afraid of this man. He's stupid. He's an idiot. He's dumb. He's crazy. He's insane. But yet they let him stay. Even if you can't get him out, at least act as if you want him out. Act as if you're trying to do something to rid the American people of this clown. He's Trump can't say anything anymore for me to take him seriously on. But he has a lot of power. He can cut shit. He can dismantle stuff. He can take away your dreams. He can do that. And the Democrats let him. He does nothing legislatively. He does it all with his pen and executive order. Because he knows if he tries to do something and get something passed legislatively... The Democrats are not going to go for it. Maybe even some Republicans who may have come, who may have seen the light so far, they might come over, but it probably will not be enough to get his ass out. He's already been impeached by the House of Representatives. The, the, the Senate can get together and actually throw him out again, throw him out. They can just vote to throw him out because he's already been impeached. So he doesn't have to be impeached again by the Democrats if we want him out immediately, the Senate, but we know that's not going to happen because it's just some crazy senators in Congress just as crazy as he is, and they're going to keep him there. I honestly believe Trump is not going to make it to November. Okay. That he wasn't going to make it. It, it. The reason why I say that is because of his behavior and the way he wants to destroy this country. And uh, getting rid of the post office so people can't vote by mail. He's doing anything and everything he can to stay in power. He doesn't care if it's tearing down this state, if it's tearing up the election. He's doing anything he can to stay in office. And the Democrats are going to let him. If he cheats in November in November and wins, the Democrats, oh, he's, he cheated. Oh, let's go. They're going to do a damn thing. And that, that's what pisses me off. The Democrats don't do anything. They acknowledge that the man is crazy. He's senile. He's, he's an old coot. And he's evil. And he's mean. And he's nasty. Uh... But they will not do anything about it. It's it's mind-boggling uh, what they're saying about him around the world. Around the world. Around the fucking world. The Democrats are probably saying, well, we can't get him out because the Republicans are all going to say no. You do a symbolic impeachment again. The first time in American history of the world where an American president has been impeached twice he don't like being impeached he's like a dog with <laughs> a hungry dog he doesn't like being impeached and there's nothing this man can say or get get up to a podium that's gonna have me listen no more ever i'll hear sound bites of this sound bites of that but i will not sit down in a meeting or have my TV turned on to this fool. His voice is nauseous. 
nauseating. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We will be, let's see, can we be right back? JoJo, okay. All right. Dr. Robert Redfield was totally misquoted in the media on a statement yeah, about creepy. the fall season and the virus. Totally misquoted. You were accurately quoted, correct? I'm accurately quoted in the Washington Post. What Dr. Redfield clearly was asking for, just like we asked for every American to follow the guidelines. He's saying, please add to that guidelines getting your flu shot and making and Dr. sure you're protected. You there's a good chance that COVID will not come back. We don't and know. And because it comes back, it's in a very small confined area that we put out. Well, the, the great thing is we'll be able to find it earlier this time. That might not come back at all, Jeff. It may not come we back at all. He's talking about a worst-case scenario where you have a big flu and you have some corona. But it's all possible. It's also possible doesn't it doesn't care. come back at all. We will have coronavirus in the fall. I am convinced of that. There will be coronavirus in the fall. So uh, joining us now, director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy and a professor in the medical school at the University of Minnesota, Dr. Michael Osterholm. He's the author of the book entitled Deadliest Enemy, Our War Against Killer Germs. So, Doctor, who's right, the president or his top doctors? Well, first of all, let me just fine-tune the message and help you understand that right now, more, no, not more than 5% of the U.S. population has been infected with this virus. We know that this is a highly infectious virus. It will keep transmitting into people. It will try to infect people until 60 or 70% of the population is infected. That's when we develop this herd immunity. So you can just do the own, your own mental math from 5% to 60 to 70%. There's a lot of transmission left to come. It could even stay through the summer, into the fall, well into the following year. So it's here. There is no question about that. It's like the law of, of gravity. It's here. We're going to see a lot more transmission. Uh, do you share the concerns of Dr. Fauci and others uh, that the fall and winter months may be the worst months like we saw in 1918, 1919, uh, because of it coinciding with flu season? Does that present unique challenges that we need to prepare for today? Yeah, I, I think the, the issue with now that this is a coronavirus, not a flu virus, we're not exactly sure where it's going to go next. I can tell you for certain it is going to infect millions and millions of more people in this country over the months ahead. We could very easily see a huge peaks, much larger than we've seen already in this country, uh, occur over the next 6 to 12 months. Uh, the bottom line message is that we could have multiple peaks. We could have one this summer, one later in the fall, one next spring. And again, just keep thinking of that number. 60 to 70 percent infected as opposed to the less than 5 percent now. So I think we have to prepare for that, those big peaks. Just exactly when they'll occur, I don't know. And I think that's important because I don't want people to come away and say, if we don't have a, a fall peak like has been predicted, that we are wrong. No, you will continue to see lots and lots of transmission. We have to prepare for that. We literally are in the second inning of a nine-inning game right now. So, Doctor, how do we live through that? How do we, how does our economy get restarted? Uh, how do we survive that economically? How do we survive that socially? How do we survive that culturally as a country uh, as we move forward over what likely will be at least an 18-month process? 
Well, first of all, it's really important that we look at the leadership issue. And I, this is not a partisan statement. I've served roles in the last five presidential administrations. Here in the state of Minnesota, I worked for two Republican governors, two Democratic governors, one independent governor. No one can tell you my partisan politics. We need fireside chat capability over the days and weeks ahead. Yep because it's going to be a really big challenge, and we've got to have a way for us to rally around that. That's the number one ingredient right now for getting through it. Number two, we've got to greatly expand testing. We've got to have people stop coming on shows like this saying test, 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 because we don't have any tests. The tests basically are limited by the number of reagents. We need a national initiative right now to figure out how to make these chemicals that then can do the test, because we do need to test. But we just don't have the capability, so that doesn't help. The second thing we have, uh, in terms of public health programs, we have to do is the contact tracing and follow-up will be important. We have to do that. The third thing we've got to make sure that our hospitals are capable of handling these surges. That means also in protecting our healthcare workers. We are losing hundreds of healthcare workers on the job every day in these big uh, outbreak areas because they're getting infected at work. So we've got to protect them. Those are all parts of then allowing society to move forward and keeping businesses as we can open. But uh, until we do these other things, uh, we're going to have a hard time reopening and staying reopened. So, okay, minus the tests, uh, all the other measures that you just mentioned, prepping hospitals, et cetera, does that create the potential for any type of scenario where we do not see the coronavirus in the fall? No, we're going to see it. You know, it's like gravity. I can't emphasize this enough. There is not a debate here. I mean, if you, if you want somebody to debate you on gravity, then you can have this debate. But the bottom line is, <laughs> until we get 60 or 70 percent of the population infected, we are going to see this virus continue to Look at countries like Singapore, where everybody held them out as the standard to say, look at, they've controlled this thing. They, they know how to do this. They know how to test and contact trace. They're now in a state of national emergency where yesterday they had the highest number of cases reported. So, again, this is a, going to be a constant battle. And whether we have a big peak this week or that week, we're going to have lots of peak activities where we're going to be highly challenged. That's what we have to mentally begin to prepare for as well as all the administrative issues. Can buy. Oh, I 
turn a river into a raging fire. I could live forever if I so desire, yeah. I'm having my Show on Black Talk Radio, broadcasting straight out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Ah, the coronavirus has hit us hard. I, it has hit everybody's hard, everybody hard, and it's 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 so heartbreaking to know that people are constantly dying. Every time I turn on the computer, the radio, or the television, more people it's being reported. More people have died, and that's sad. Through no fault of their own, dying. Dying. Anyway, Trump plans to cut daily coronavirus briefings. Oh, thank God for that. (laughs) We don't need to see that every day. And in some cases, he may stop appearing altogether. Because like today, he he didn't say much. He didn't take questions from from, uh, reporters. And you know what? The world is fine with that. If he doesn't go to these meetings, if he stops these meetings, because they're, as I've said before, they're useless when it comes to information uh, pertaining to the coronavirus and saving the lives of so many other Americans. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for not uh, for for not wanting to cover these shitty meetings of this man. Now he's picking on the post office to try to deflect our attention away from his awful meetings, briefings, if you whatever you want to call it. Anyway, he plans to cut cut 
after this stupid ass remark that has gone around the world and he's been called dumbasses a million times, he decides not to go to the meetings. And I'm pretty sure his handlers, his handlers told him to do that. Told him to stop opening his mouth because stupid shit come out of it. And he will pay for it. He will pay for it at the polls because it's all on video. He can't hide it. He can't deny it. He can't pretend like he didn't say it, which is what he will do. He cannot lie to say he didn't say something because it's all there on tape. It will be used in ads. It will be used against him in every shape and every form. All of these rotten meetings where he said dumb shit that get Americans killed will be used against him, and he knows it. So he's going to stop coming to these briefings, using these briefings as rally cries because they are not in his favor. They're against him because of the bullshit that will come out of his mouth, and it and the reporter is going to be reporting on it. It's going to be all over the world how he treats reporters. If you ever watched his meetings and you see the reporters, there's barely any reporters in there. He have them. He has the reporters, not the reporters that he doesn't like. The reporters that ask relevant questions, he he have them kicked out of the meeting and put only the ones in there that he thinks are are relevant. But anyway, he gets in their asses. He will not answer a question because he can't. He doesn't have the intellect. And another reason why he doesn't answer questions from reporters is because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. Because he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know how to put... uh, He doesn't have any semantics. He can't put that together. Simple physics. He can't put any of that together. His mind is just... and, And... after all of that, he thinks he's smarter than anybody in the room. Actually, he thinks he's smarter than anybody in the world. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because he's crazy. Um, he he just doesn't uh, – he doesn't fit, and yet he will not resign. And I've said this a thousand times on this show. The reason why this man will not resign, he's going to go to jail if he does. He's going to be indicted. He could be even assassinated if he gets out when he gets out of office because he will not have the Senate to protect him. He will not have the uh, Secret Service to protect him. He will not have uh, the presidency to protect him. And he is the main reason why so many people have died in this country, and he's still trying to kill him, kill them. Excuse me. He's still trying to kill people, and there has been people who said – that they blame the death from coronavirus on Trump because he did not act quickly to defuse it. He dismantled the pandemic office that Obama created. And I have to agree with them. I have to agree with them. Uh, uh, This is bad. This is bad for him. The only thing he's got, the only thing Trump got, and the only thing the Trump children has and they're a bunch of uh, grifters, too. They are. They are. The only thing these people have is the presidency. That's what's keeping their asses afloat. And I don't understand why. Some 
uh, clause in the uh, DOJ's books that says a sitting president cannot be indicted. I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand it. I don't know why Democrats are not fighting it. That's bullshit. This man done killed all, all these people. He's unfit. We all know he's unfit. The world knows he's unfit. The people around him knows he's unfit and crazy and loony and ridiculous, but they will not do anything about it. He didn't broke every monument clause, making money while president. This is why one of the reasons, this is why they are trying to stack the courts. Mitch McConnell, uh, uh, Donald Trump, they're trying to stack the courts. They want to stack the courts. They, they've stacked the courts with their judges, Trump judges. So when they go up against the judge to be sentenced for prison, they're going to think they're going to get a good judge that's going to let them off because that's the judge that they appointed before they left off, kicked out of office, rather. And they know we know this, but they don't give a fuck. They, don't, they just don't care that we know that they're stacking the stacking uh, the courts with these rotten judges to get them off when they're on their way to prison. I think the Demo- I, I believe the Democrats have something, some say over stacking judges. I think this is this has to be uh, legislatively done. But Trump thinks he thinks he can do anything with his pen. And he looks for the he looks at, he looks at the Constitution Thoroughly, or he have someone looks at the Constitution, tell him what he can do to America, how he can do what, where, how far his powers extend. His, this guy will not resign because he knows he will be indicted and go to jail. He will not resign because he loves power. I mean, this guy is drunk on power. Doesn't matter how much he fuck up and destroy America, he loves it. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're about off the air, folks. And I want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all of your um, insights, all of your comments about the show and about me and and, uh, the good things about me, that is. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. But the good things, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks. This show is all about making the world a better place, and we have to get Donald Trump out of there so we can make America a better place. I'm going to change that slogan to make America a better place because that's what needs to be be done is to make our country a better place. And I'm here for that, and I've always been here for that. And uh, so we're going to get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, folks, and have a good one. Stay Stay in, stay safe. If you have to go out, uh, make sure you wear a mask. And I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm getting confused on when and when not to wear a mask. Some people say uh, you don't have to wear a mask when you're out. Only wear a mask when you come in contact with other people. And then they're saying wear a mask every time you go out. You know. And then they're saying uh, keep 10 feet away from another person. And if you do that, you don't have to wear a mask. But they're they're saying, you know, but be safe, folks, and wear a mask. We don't know what we're getting from these people, especially if it's coming from Donald Trump's uh, administration. And a lot of people are saying, stop listening to Trump. He's an idiot. All right, everybody, we are uh, off the air. I hope you check me out tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks a lot.